You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. We're going to be talking on wisdom on dating. And I found out that there's a lot we could cover on this subject. And after last night's service, we had people coming up and say, what about this question? I got this question. And so here's the deal. If you've got a question on dating and you say, I could use some help on this because this is really fuzzy. I don't know how to do this. I want to do it right. I tried it the other way and it didn't work. And I'd like to do it God's way. Can you help me on this? If you have a question, write it down on a response card. I can promise we'll get to all the questions. But next week, and if we have to, another week, we'll go at those questions, we'll do our best to answer it and give wisdom on how to date. It's, it's a big topic. A lot of us are single. We live downtown where 60% of the population is single. And so it's often part of our conversation. And people wondering, you know, I want to do it right. I tried it the other way. It didn't work. And, and I'm trying to figure this out. I want to please God. But how do I do this the right way? So I think it's important we, we get into, we talk about it. You may be here today and you're happily married. You say, oh, that's not for me. I'm going to check out. Please don't check out because you've got friends that probably need this. You've got a neighbor that could need it. You might have a niece. Maybe you've got a nephew, a grandson, or somebody else that you can pass it on. So if nothing else, store up knowledge and, and use it at another time. So it's good to, to learn, to study it. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Father, we ask you to come and to be our teacher this morning. This is a really important topic, and you created us to be in relationship. We want to do it your way. We get a, we're bombarded with pictures, images, ideas, and advice. But we come to you today, we humble ourselves, and we're saying, Lord, we need help. We want to do it right. We want to do it your way. We want our lives to count. And so we're open for you to speak into our lives through your word, by your Holy Spirit, on how to build healthy relationships. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was sharing with the 930 service. We had a little less time at the 930 service. And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to give you five points because we're speaking to the graduates. I said, here's five points. They're not in your message per se, but they're woven into your message. So get these five points and start right with them. And I'm going to give you five points bullet points right to begin with. They're not in your notes. They're kind of woven in there, but write them down on the back because you need these five points for every big decision you're going to make in life. We've shared them in the past. I didn't come up with them. I got them from a message Rick Warren spoke a number of years ago, but now they're mine because I've used them so much and they can be your points too. They're great. A lot of times people said, well, what do I do with this? What kind of, how do I make this decision? It's a big decision. And I'll, I'll give them these five points and go, Dave, that's amazing. Where did you come up with it? That's really good. So you can have those five points, put them in your PDA, put them in the back of your Bible, your date timer or something. And then when you need to, you can pass them on. Of course, you can also use them in your own life. So here's five things really quickly on big decisions you make in life. We're going to be talking about dating, who you date and who you marry. How many know that's a big decision in your life? Yeah, the number one decision you make in your life is who you're going is making Jesus the Lord of your life because he's the number one relationship. But then who you marry is a big decision. So here's five points, really quick. Number one, does it line up with God's word? Please write that down. Elbow your neighbor and say this is really important. A lot of you didn't elbow your neighbors. I heard that. <laughs> 
But anyhow, just take it for granted. It's really important it lines up with God's word. For example, when it comes to dating and you're dating somebody and they're already married, how many know that does not line up with God's word? So it's good to check that out. As a matter of fact, before you go to Starbucks and have a coffee, it's just good to ask a few questions. Are you married? They're saying, hey, I'd I really like to get to know you. Let's go for coffee and hang out. And wait a minute. I, I see a ring on your finger. Are you married? I think I'll pass. Thank you very much. It's good just to ask some of those introductory questions before you go too far in the relationship. And I'm saying this out of experience from people that we've counseled here in Vancouver. It's good to know, are you an ex-con? Are you? It helps to know that earlier in the relationship than later. Are you an illegal immigrant? That helps to know that earlier on because we've had to unpack some very messy situations. Uh, It's good to know... Um, are, you, are you in a number of other relationships right now? That's good to find that out earlier on. So sometimes it's just good to know stuff earlier on. But one thing we want to know is in big decisions, is it scriptural? Is it, is it line up with God's word? Because this really is our manual for life. And just like you have a manual for other things, it's good to pull out this manual and make sure that it lines up with this manual. If it doesn't line up with this manual, then you just say, I'm not going to go there. If you're in a business deal and somebody's asking you just to fudge the numbers, to, to cheat a bit, to lie a bit on it, then you, you know right there you can't go there because it doesn't line up with his word. So that's number one, big decisions. It must line up with God's word. Now, secondly, you have to have a peace in your spirit about it. You have to have the leading of the Holy Spirit on it. There's some areas you can't go here and says, you know, It's not black and white. It's a little grayer. You know, do I buy a Ford or do I buy a Honda? You can't find that in here. Do I buy it from a dealer or do I buy it from somewhere else? Is it Jane or is it Sue? You know, you can't find thou shalt marry Sue in the Bible. But you can have peace by the Holy Spirit and he can lead and guide you. So number two is you have to have a leading of the Holy Spirit. You have to be able to listen to God's voice. Every one of us have a compass on the inside of us. The scriptures tell us very clearly Trust in the Lord with all your, help me, heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Our trusting is in our heart, not out of our brain. Our trusting is here. Now, spiritual use brain, we'll talk about that, but we trust God with our heart. Watchman Nee, the great Chinese theologian, he said, we're led by our spirit, and then we prove it with our mind. What he was saying is, usually our spirit picks up what we need to do before our mind does because God is a spirit and he speaks to our spirit. So when it comes to dating and when it comes to finding the right person for your life, and that was a God idea, God's idea was for a man and woman to come together. We go all the way back to Genesis. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. And then he created Eve and Adam saw Eve and he goes, whoa, man. And he was like, his heart was going ka-ching, 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 ka-ching. And he was like, this is, this is what I was been waiting for. And God said he created woman, he created man, they, two, they became one. And since Genesis, there has been this natural, we've been wired for relationship. We've been wired for marriage. Now, some are called to be single. Paul was single. He was called to be single. And it's a great calling. But many of us are called to find the right person, and there's wisdom on how to do that. So the number two point, just giving you five quick points on how to make big decisions, is be led by the Spirit. 
If it's a red light on the inside, don't go there. Because you can be in a business deal and all the numbers add up, everything's right, the people look like it's all together. But when you go home from work, you got this sinking feeling. And your wife or a friend says, I don't know about that. Something just doesn't smell right. Something doesn't sit right. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit leading you on the inside. And you want to pull back at least until you make that decision. So that was number two. Number three is you get wise counsel. Big decisions, you get wise counsel. You go to people that are an expert in that area. If I want to get my car fixed, I don't take it to a marriage counselor. I take it to a good mechanic, amen? But if I want to get my marriage fixed, I don't go to a car mechanic. I go to an expert in that area. We all live with blinders on, especially when it comes to dating. Because you can get Twitter-pated, like Bambi said, and you, it all gets foggy, and all of a sudden, you're not making clear decisions. So that's when it's good to have wise counsel around you, giving you guidance. So number three, get wise counsel. The scriptures tell us, in a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. Another translation puts it this way. In a multitude of counselors, there's a genius. You start getting wise counsel, and somebody's going to tell you, help you make right decisions. We live with blinders on. We don't see everything. Number four. Number four is due diligence. You guys writing this down, right? You got to get this, really. I mean, you put it on your PDA, put it in your Bible, put it in the back of your hand, put it somewhere, because I promise you're going to use it. I was sharing this with one fellow one time, and he was making this big decision about school, and I gave him all five, and he said, oh, that's really good. Thanks, Pastor. I said, what are they? Um, um, I, I don't really remember. <laughs> I said, see, it's the way you listen, the way you hear. It went in one ear, it went out the other ear, and you're going to walk out the way you came. Hello, write it down, get it, so you can got it, because you're going to forget it, but you got to come back to it. So number four was due diligence, which means you got to use your brain as well. you got to say, okay, I'm going to look at this. I'm going to examine this. And we're going to talk about that in dating, because when you date somebody, you got to do some due diligence. you got to ask some questions. You've got to do an inspection, so to speak. When you travel to another country, and you come to the airport... And you go through all the different hoops and loops, right? You know the procedure. You arrive there with your luggage. You go through the door and you find Air Canada or you find whatever airline you're flying with. You line up. You get your baggage checked in. You get your, you get your uh, boarding pass. And then you go through other lineups. And finally, you come to a place where they check your luggage, right? They inspect your carry-on. What happens if you got to that inspection point and you said, hey, who do you think you are? Just leave my luggage alone. You don't get to check it. You don't get to examine it. This is my luggage. You're not going to look into it. And they would say, I'm sorry, you're not going to come on the plane. Then you can just go back, take your little boarding pass, take your ticket, and go home. We're not going to go any further. And if you're dating somebody, say, you know, I'd like to ask you a few questions, and I'd like to know a little bit more about your life. If we're going to go down this path, I'd like to little know a little more. They go, hey, that's none of your business. I don't want you knowing about my life anymore. How many know that's a warning sign? that You just say, you know what, that's fine, but we're not going on this journey together. I'll just see you later, but you're not coming into my life, into my country, because I need to know what's in the baggage. Because, honey, the guy's name is Samsonite Sam, but he's got some baggage in his life. Guys, her name is Louise Vuitton Linda, but she's got some baggage in her life. We all got some baggage. 
Having baggage necessarily isn't wrong, but if somebody won't let you examine their baggage and they're not willing to deal with their baggage, then you got a problem. So that comes under due diligence. We want to see what's in that other person's life as we're going along. The temptation is to get so Twitter-pated that we don't do that. I feel good. I am so romanticized, swept off my feet. Relationships start often with that. The Greeks had it figured out. They had different words for love. We just call it all love, but they broke it down. They said there is eros, which is passionate, which is romantic. It's that feeling. It's the Twitter-pated side of love. It's also the sexual side of love. They had a word for that. And then they also said there's the agape, the true, mutual, a God kind of love. There's filial, a relationship type of love. But if relationships are just based on eros, passion, and romance, about a year down the road or less, that relationship will burn up. Great relationships are built on agape and filial And then you can have the romance side for the next 50 years of your life. But if you skip that step and just say, I want to cut to the chase and have all the good stuff and keep the good stuff happening, it's not going to last very long. I'm not really doing a good job following the notes, but let me just say this at this point. If you get involved in sex before marriage, your mind gets really cluttered and phased out. You won't see clearly and you won't develop the key things that need to be worked out and developed for a healthy marriage to continue. You have to make up your mind at some point, I'm going to do it God's way. If this was God's way of doing it, I'm going to do it his way in order to have his kind of results. If you do it your way, you're going to get your kind of results. But he said, God, I submit it to you. I believe you're the designer. You had this figured out. I'm going to submit to your ways. You're going to have an amazing marriage down the road, an amazing relationship. So it's important to submit to his lordship. Not everything I say, by the way, today or next week is going to be politically correct. So you can... Send me emails and, and, uh, and, and, and all that good stuff, and we're okay with it. Send your questions, and, and uh, you know, I won't make everybody happy, but I wasn't called to make people happy. I was called to tell you the truth, because the truth sets you free. Amen. All right. So, number one was what? Big decisions we need to what? Line up with God's word. Number two was what? Peace, leading of the Holy Spirit. Number three, wise counsel. Number four, due diligence. Number five is a fun one. There should be divine circumstances. You should see God's fingerprints on it if it's what God wants you to do. If it's the right person to marry, there should have been some supernatural circumstances around it. Now, if that's all you've got is a divine circumstance, what you think is a divine circumstance, you don't have enough. If you're in a theater and you say, oh, she looked at me and I looked at her and it was love at first sight. And I know that because I was praying, oh, God, I want to find the right one. She has to have blonde hair, blue eyes. And and you had all these dimensions and everything. and, And I looked at her and she looked at me and that was it. That was a sign from God. Now, you just got one of the five because you got to do some due diligence. You don't know this woman. And you better make sure she is 
it lines up with God's word. Maybe she's got two other husbands. You don't know that. You, you need more than that sign that you got. But if you have all five working for you in every major decision, if you can check off all five of those, then it's pedal to the metal, full blast ahead. We're going to go for it. And you're going to have a wonderful time. But do a little bit of this homework, a little bit of this groundwork. One conversation that I've had a number of times is with, it's usually with guys. They'll call and they'll say, hey, can I talk, pastor? And often it's with guys who are, they're living with their girlfriend. And they want to do it right. Some of them, they, they just didn't know. And they found the Lord in their life and said, you know what, I, I know I need to change some things. And all of a sudden, it's a decision. What am I going to do? Because we're not married. We're living together. And a lot of times, ladies, most times, guys live with you before marriage because they want sex without commitment. And guys, a lot of times the ladies will live with you before marriage because it's a good way to manipulate you to get married. So, I told you I wouldn't be popular after this. I explain to them and ask them, what do you want to build with your life? It's never too late. Thank God he's a God of grace. We can, we can back it up a bit and do it right. Man, if I'm laying a foundation for the house and I messed up on it and it's not straight, you know what we do? We redo the foundation. If the foundation isn't square, you don't try to build on it. You say, hey, let's get the jackhammer out. It's going to be painful, but let's take it down. Let's get the chalk line out. Let's get the level out, and let's reshoot it. Let's lay it square so we can build a big place. But if it's, if it's rotten in the foundation, I don't care how pretty it looks and how good you do after that, the building is going to fall over in just a matter of time. So if you want to build a little one-story shack, go at it if that's what you want to do with your life. But if you want to build a 600-foot tower, how many of you better get it straight in the foundation? The best way I know to get it straight in the foundation is say, God, I'll do it your way. Now, that takes humility. That takes, God, I surrender to your plans. I know it's not going to be politically correct. I know some friends are going to even challenge me on it. But I'm going to say, like Joshua... As for me, my house will serve the Lord. If you don't want to serve, that's up to you. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm making a decision to build it this way. It's been tried and tested over thousands of years. I'll trust God to do it. When I met Cheryl, uh, I have to admit, uh, it was her looks that triggered it. I had come back. For my second semester of Bible school, I had uh, missed the semester, the fall semester. I was, I was determined to make a lot of money and go on a big worldwide holiday. And I had gone back to work on the drilling rigs, was roughnecking in southern Alberta. And it was, it was good money, but hard life. Uh, and my Christian life had really, I went to maybe church a couple times because I had to work every weekend. And it was just work every day. They gave us one weekend off every month. And we had one long change. The rest was just work. And so 
what I found was my walk with God was at an all-time low, and I really needed to get back plugged into God. So I went back to Bible school. And I, I said no to the plans to travel, and I went back to Bible school. And I really didn't have any plans to... I was, I was more really... I knew I needed to get my life back on track with God, and that was my primary focus. And it didn't take long, and just being in that environment, just to kind of rebound back with God. But by March, I was kind of feeling good. <laughs> and, uh, and one day at this... Uh, uh, social gathering they had it's kind of a dress-up night i spotted this amazing looking gal and my heart kind of like adams went kaboom 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 i said i gotta know more about her i brought her picture she didn't know that 9 30 service i'm just gonna throw it up on the screen and this is what caught my attention this is a few years ago cheryl said oh you didn't do that so <laughs> i saw that little sparkle in her eye and she was I said, Woo. I said, what, what a doll, what a, what a babe, you know. And so I was like, I, I, I like to get to know her. And uh, so that's good. That's, she only wanted up for a few seconds. Anyhow, so that was Cheryl, 1977, March of 77. And she's gotten better looking ever since. Uh, so I thought, I, I got to get to know her. Now, I didn't know it at the time. But you know, the number one way to meet the person in your life is through a personal introduction. 44% have met their, their partner through somebody introducing them. I didn't know it at the time, but I just thought, well, if I get to know her friends, I could get to know her, right? Sometimes it's easier to get to know the friends and say, hey, by the way, could you uh, introduce me to Cheryl over there? And uh, so through the network, I found out that she cut hair on campus. And so I was going to line up for a haircut. <laughs> now, back then, it took a little longer <laughs> and, uh, and so forth. But I thought, you know, I'm going to line up for the haircut. And so I lined up for the haircut. Now, uh, I was on a basketball team. Charlie, my friend, was also a basketball player, and he was getting his haircut. And we were there, and, and uh, we, we just kind of nonchalant brought it up that there was another gal there. I said, you know what, why don't we, why don't we all go to Vancouver? And, and let's go for some cheesecake. And, uh, and so the girls agreed to do it. So that was, you know what, guys, I, I was sweating bullets. I have to admit that I thought she was too much for me. Because I looked at her. I mean, she's stunningly beautiful. Like, at least in my opinion, she was stunningly beautiful. I thought, who am I? I'm just this farm boy, roughneck, and I really don't have much of this figured out. I tried dating a few times. It was disastrous, and uh, it was a mess, and I was really fine without it for a while. But I got Twitter-pated. I, I have to admit that. And I'm thank God we didn't build our relationship on that. We built it on agape, but it was a part of it. And I thank God today there's still romance because it was founded on God's principles. So we went on this little date, the four of us, and came back. And I thought, okay, you know, this is going to take a risk. But I'm, I'm going to ask you on another date. It, it's in your notes there. It's your third point. To date God's way will require faith. It takes a risk. The just shall live by faith. And I know guys today, especially because I end up talking more to the guys. Cheryl talks more to the girls. I know guys today say, you know what? You got to take a risk. There's some ladies just waiting for you to do the asking, all right? But what if I get turned down? Well, you know what? Just be secure in Christ. Be solid in him. That's your first point. Be secure in your relationship with Jesus. You don't revolve your life around that person. Your life revolves around the son. Your life revolves around the son of God. That's where you're centered. 
because in our relationships, it may not work out. And if it doesn't work out, you could go through major rejection if you're not planted and rooted in the number one relationship, and that is your relationship with Jesus Christ. But if you're secure in that, if you're founded in that, then you can go through the changes and the challenges of life. So that was number one. I'm so glad that Cheryl was grounded in her relationship with Jesus. It took a risk for me to do it. It was a risk. It's a risk to, to go out there and to, and to be in a relationship. But uh, it, it, there's a fun side to it, but there's also a work side to it. And I think sometimes we, the, the picture we get from the media or from Hollywood or from magazines or from talk show hosts or from whatever, they don't give that side of it. So wisdom in dating is, as I go into it, I want to make sure that I'm laying the foundation for something that can last. So we had that first date, and then... Um, I thought, you know what, i got to ask you for another date. I don't want Charlie along this time. i got to get him out of the picture because he's, I was the only guy who was interested, and I knew I had to make my every move count, right? You get a lot of choices in life. And so I was, okay, what, how do I do this? And so here was my approach, guys, because we never did get the cheesecake, so that was my cue. I said, you know, Cheryl, we never did have that cheesecake. What if you and I just go for cheesecake? And I was shaking. But you know what? She agreed to go. So that was cool. Now, the sad thing was, I didn't have a lot of instruction growing up. We were kind of hillbillies in the, in the, in the country, and, uh, you know, just the finer things of life we didn't get. It took me a long time before I figured out how to use all the forks and knives. That's kind of where we were from. We had a fork and a knife. That was it. And it was best everybody for themselves kind of thing. And so we were, I didn't have some of that training you'd get in as the urban man would have. I'm a country boy, not an urban man. And so I didn't have some of that. So I, I had it arranged now that we would go out on this evening. So I, it was time to go. I just went and sat down on the, on the hood of my car. Her dorm was across the street. You know, I was looking at my watch. It's 7 o'clock. Where is she? <laughs> 15 after 7. She said, where is she? Man, this girl's late. I'm just sitting on my car saying hi to people as they're going by. And I didn't know she was watching outside in her window. Said to her roommate, if that guy doesn't come up and knock on this door in two minutes, I will never go with him again. I had no idea she was thinking that. I didn't know you should knock on the lady's door. <laughs> Okay, that's how bad it was. Guys, I'm telling you this to give you courage, to give you a sense of hope that there's hope for all of us. So finally, her, her roommates talked to her and said, you know what, give the guy a chance. Help the poor boy. Go down there. So she came down, and I jumped in my seat, and I said, hop in, you know. And <laughs> now I've learned since then, right? I, and now every time I open her door, you know, so there's hope for all of us. So she got in, and, and, and we're on our way. And uh, I, I'm not saying anything. I don't know what to say. I'm just, I could have used a lot of lessons. She told me afterwards, she said, I wonder, is this guy ever going to talk to me? Like, we're on a date. It would be nice if he said something. And Cheryl's outgoing. I'm reserved. And uh, my palms are sweaty on that, you know, plastic steering wheel. It was a 68 Firebird, you know. It was just going down the road. And, and we're coming past Burnett on the number one highway towards uh, Coquitlam, that area. And as we're going along, my car starts to sputter. My lips are sweating. My hands are sweating. 
this is a nightmare. You know, I'm already so nervous because I got this beautiful babe and I got to make this first impression and I'm blown it. I didn't know it. I already blown it. I was, but I had, and it stalls. My car stops, sputters. I'm pulled. It's, it's number one highway full of traffic. And at first I thought the guys did it to me. They, they, they bugged my car. They put some leaves in the distributor cap. They put something in my gas tank. And I'm going, oh, man. So I thought for sure I was sabotaged. I wasn't. They, they, the fuel pump had went, but I didn't know that. And I tried to start it, start it, wouldn't start. Guy pulls over, and he gives me a boost. It still doesn't start. He says, guy, you need a tow truck. <laughs> so great. So I go back and say, Cheryl, you know what? Oh, this doesn't work out very good. Uh, I need to get a tow truck. Can you watch my car? <laughs> So I, like, I'm, at, I, 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 I'm out, right? Third strike, I'm out. Like, she's like, whatever, go get the tow truck. <laughs> Busy highway, prairie girl, prairie guy, out of their league in Vancouver. So she hides under the dash while I go for the tow truck. 45 minutes later, I come back, and they hook this thing up, and he tows us back to campus. As we come back onto campus, I said, sir, do you mind turning off that revolving light? Like, there's everybody looking at us. And I, I thought I had this cool car, and here it was broken down. And I, I got my first date, and she's sitting in the cab with me. And he doesn't turn it on, man. He turned it off. He just le- lets that thing go. He pulls right into the middle of the parking lot. Everybody comes out, oh, Coop, what happened to you? And they're just <laughs> giving me the gears, right? And so I get out, and I pay the guy for the tow drive ride and I, I look around just to thank her for putting up with this i can't find her she bolted the minute that tow truck stopped she was gone man she hoofed it back to the apartment I go oh, man that's it i blew it you know i was i felt you know the roller coaster that you can be in when you're dating i mean it, i was at, at the low i thought that's it but god guys but god right i told you you got to have faith when it comes to dating hope is not enough Hope says, I hope I can get a date someday. I hope I can get married someday. If you live in the hope, you're just living in the future. My Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith pulls what's in the future into the now. You need hope, but you got to have faith. They work together. And so I had to muster up all my courage because faith without corresponding action is dead. Faith has to have some action. Now, I could have gone back to my apartment put my legs between my tail and just cried. and said, oh, God, it's so bad. I'll never try this again. I thought, you know, I've got a choice to make. So I went back to that dorm, and I knocked on her door. I said, would you like to go for a walk? I really blew it tonight. I finally was starting to clue in, you know, God being my helper. And so we went for a nice little walk, and uh, we did get to get our cheesecake the next week. And it was right down the street here on Georgia Street. We went to the... What's that? White spot, just down the street. That's where we had our first date. And we, we would have never thought we'd be pastoring blocks from there and living blocks from that white spot today. But I encourage you to, yeah, thank God for what he did. We, we were so green. Uh, we were so new at it. He was good to us. So let me review a couple points. We've thrown them out there as we've been going along. Wisdom on dating. Number one, be secure in your relationship with Jesus. Matthew 6.33 tells us to seek him first. All these things shall be added unto you. It's very important that you are 
that you have a life. If your life is to find a mate, that's not a life. Cheryl had a life. And, and she looked at me. I had a life. My life wasn't about finding somebody. It, it worked out great, but I had a basketball team that she liked coming watching the basketball games. I liked to go skiing. I liked to, to my car was a hobby to me. We were, I had a dream to go on from this. She said, what are you going to do with your life? I said, I'm, I, I'm tired of being a roughneck. I'm going back to school. I'm going to go into engineering, and uh, I'm going to buy my oil company, and I'm going to buy a ranch in the foothills, and that's what I'm doing with my life. You, if you like that, that's where I'm going. And she said, yeah, yeah, I can handle that. I said, I'm not going to be a pastor. I hope you want to know that. My dad was a pastor and a farmer. I liked the farming. I didn't like the pastoring thing. So if you don't want, if you don't want to be in ministry, just come with me because I'm not going into ministry. She said, okay, that's fine with me. My dad was involved in church, and, and, and our church experiences weren't always the best. They weren't all bad, but there was some stuff that I just, uh, that was what I decided as a kid. Then God got a hold of my life and changed that all around. God always gives you a better dream. And when I had it within reach, I had my ranch within reach, had it all come to happening, God said, no, 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 I got something better for you. I want you to sell that. And we had the all come until seven years ago. It was great to get started. But then he said, I want you to sell it. All then was 20-some dollars a barrel. Today it's $130 a barrel. I, just, I said to Cheryl the other night, imagine if we still had those oil wells at $130 a barrel. And then the Lord just reminded us that we, we burnt that bridge. Because you know what, if, if I would have kept that oil company, we would have used all that money to finance everything that's happening here. But he didn't want us to finance it. He wanted a team to do it. We would have taken all the millions of dollars out of that, and we would have done it ourselves. But it's not about us. It's about together we can. And I, I didn't know that I had to sell it for that reason, but we did. And I'm convinced we have a better life now than if we had kept it. We, we, we enjoying it more. And you're, you're always happiest when you're in the middle of God's will. That's the happiest. And it's the safest place to be. Okay. Uh, next point. This is kind of all over the map, but that's all right. Number two, just want to highlight, don't discount your single days or waste them. Those are amazing days. A lot of us are single here. Enjoy them. Enjoy getting to know people, building relationships. And as you uh, get to know somebody, and maybe you, like we did, we went on a, uh, a date together. We've been, we knew each other in other settings. And we said, you know what, let's date. And then there came a point where, you know what, let's, are we interested in doing life, interested in getting married? And that started a whole set of questions and discovery that we had to do. We had to turn on the discovery channel and discover some things about each other. Uh, number three, we talked about dating God's way will require faith. Number four, love is the bond of perfection. Perfect perfection isn't the bond of perfection. Colossians 3.14 tells us that love is the bond of perfection. Some people think perfection is the bond of perfection. When I find the perfect man, then I'm going to have love. You know what, guys? I did not have a list. I didn't have that teaching. That teaching wasn't out yet. I didn't have a list. But what I did have was some standards that mom and dad gave us. They said, these are the standards you need to live by. Some people have their expectations way up high, and nobody can meet their expectations. Somebody else says, well, I'm not worthy much. I'm not good looking. They have this defeated image of themselves, and they don't have any expectations. So somewhere in between there, there's this middle of the road. I had came across an article in Christianity Today by Shana, and this is what she had to say. 
she said, I thought if I found the perfect mate, I'd have the perfect love. But God clued me in that perfection doesn't create a perfect bond. God-honoring love, even in the midst of imperfection, does. My list was longer than Santa's. Some of my criteria were valid. He must love God and me. Others may have been a tad lofty. For example, at one point, my goal was to marry a man who looked like Mel Gibson and who was as sensitive as my closest girlfriend and as wise as Jesus. Now, ladies, I want to give you a clue right now. We're not going to be as good looking as Mel Gibson, as as sensitive as your closest girlfriend, and as wise as Jesus. Those guys just don't exist, okay? Unless it's some chick flick or some Harlequin romance. That's the only place you're going to find those guys. He also has to be funny, financially stable, athletic, charismatic, good with children, patient, a good communicator, gentle, and assertive. He had to share my life's vision, always balance his checkbook, and not have hair on his back. Apparently, that's really important, you know. Uh, I I, I still haven't got that. Excuse me, guys. I still haven't got that. Because when I grew up, it was manly to have hair on your chest. So I I got so quiet in this sanctified church, you know. Uh, Hair on his back, sport a spare tire, or live in the trailer. I asked Cheryl, we were coming up the service the other night walking up i said does that is that really does that really gross ladies out having hair on their back she goes oh yeah (laughs) she's still learning guys still getting this thing figured out anyhow she goes on to say ditching our list means trusting god knows what we need in romantic relationships but i could find a man to meet those but i couldn't find a man to meet these criteria anywhere i looked at others who made a poor choice in a marriage partner and determined not to be like them While there's wisdom at this, at the same time, I was not trusting God with my personal life. God showed me self-protective hearts can't love. I thought keeping a list would protect me. But after many years of sizing men up, I developed negative thought patterns. I didn't realize I was operating out of fear and a critical spirit until God revealed that that to me it was then i realized the list i held was in reality holding me ditching our list doesn't mean giving up any standards it means adopting god's higher better standards this means looking for a man who shares our faith who exhibits patience gentleness humility generosity and kindness these qualities never will steer a girl wrong and ditching our list means being open to the mysterious unpredictable nature of love and being focused on believing god knows what we need in romantic relationships i certainly trust his judgment more than mine any day so that's a good perspective and again there's there's two ditches for every mile of road and so we want to walk down the middle of the road on that our last point and then we're going to stop there this morning number four or we covered that uh number five we'll give you one more and that is learn to listen to God. Trust him in the decisions that you have to make. Uh, as you go into it, you'll have people talking to you. Friends may say something. Others will be speaking to you. But learn to listen to him. Uh, let me give you the last two real quickly so you can at least fill them in. Dating wisely requires making multiple wise choices. Wise decisions are based on knowledge. So consider your sources carefully. The talk show hosts, some of the books, some of the chick flicks, some of the magazines are not necessarily the best sources of information for the decisions you're making when it comes to relationships and dating. Choose those sources carefully because you must make wise decisions. 
Where we are today is just a reflection of all the smaller choices that we've made. Daily, we've got to make the right choice. God said, I set before you life and death, blessing, cursing. Therefore, you choose life. He will not choose for us. He knows we have to make those choices. And then number seven, we'll stop at this. Respect your parents' judgment. Why? Because they'll ask questions that we won't ask. They'll see things we don't see. It's very important to get their input on it. Deuteronomy 5.16 says, if you honor your parents, there's a blessing in this life and there's a long life promise for you. Now, if your mom and dad, let me just say this, let me help you. If your mom and dad are still hippies that are living out somewhere and smoking their marijuana every weekend and they're, they're high as a kite usually and you bring your, your, your girlfriend home and your dad goes, ooh, she is a hot babe. I think you better marry her. Now, then, then you need to get another wise counsel. You need another father figure to help you on that, all right? And, or if your mom says, oh, he is a hottie. Yeah, I'd go for him. If your parents are there, there may be one or two of you in that category, then get an elder, somebody who would care about you, ask you the hard questions. We need that kind of influence in our lives because we get Twitter-pated. We get infatuated with somebody, and we need somebody to help us make clear decisions. The number one decision, again, we make in our lives is our relationship with Christ. Be grounded and rooted in that. That's first and foremost and most important. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.